Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. While out on his travels, Jesus often encountered people from other faiths, traditions, and cultures. More often than not, it even seemed like Jesus sought out these encounters. What does that have to teach us about how we can redefine strangers as friends we have not met yet? And how can that help us grow closer to God? This week's message of the week comes from Pastor Bryce Blank, who shares a story from his own life about an encounter that was out of the norm, and the story of the woman at the well from John chapter 4. Pastor Bryce challenges us to see these encounters as God making a way for his kingdom. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Well, today we are continuing our sermon series on travel. And as we learn about travel, we learn about the world around us, and we experience things that we might not otherwise experience. Travel usually requires a little bit of preparation, and it puts us in a mindset that we maybe aren't usually in. Last week, Pastor Jen prepared us to leave home and challenged us to consider where God might be calling us to leave home and to embark on a spiritual journey. And so today we continue that trip as we look at the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible with you or you want to follow with us on the screen, our reading today comes from John chapter 4, verses 7 through 15, and then 39 through 42. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift, and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would be asking him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well to he gave this well to us, and he drank for it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. And we pick up again in verse 39 through 42. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of that woman's word when she testified. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the Savior of the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So have any of you seen the movie Close Encounters of a Third Kind? Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But I have had a few close encounters of my own when traveling. 
And one that comes particularly into mind is when I was traveling on my bike from my apartment to campus when I was down in Dallas, Texas at seminary. I would ride this about 15 minute ride to campus and I kind of used it as a, as a fun little workout uh, in a nice little way to see the city. But when I was traveling because of the heavy Dallas traffic, even though they had bike lanes, I still preferred to stay to the sidewalks because it just was safer that way. And so uh, I maybe had to cross a few busy intersections. I kind of moseyed my way through some neighborhoods and down some back alleys, but it was a quick trip um, and one that I took daily. And uh, as I mentioned, I kind of like to use this as a workout. And so I would put my bike in the lowest gear. And so, you know, it was the hardest to pedal, but I wanted to get the most out of my ride. And so one day I'm sitting there at a stoplight waiting for the sign to give me the walk sign. And then the signals for me to be able to cross the street, go across the crosswalk and continue on my way. And as I'm sitting there, I look over to my left and I see that there is a police officer and he is also actually on a bike. He's pretty much right next to me, but he's just in the, the far right turning lane. And so we're sitting next to each other and he's all decked out. I mean, it's hard to miss. He's got a neon shirt on. He's got his helmet. He's got his elbow pads, his knee pads. He's got those cool gloves that you have, you know, probably just more for looks than anything. You know, he's got this nice little light on the front of his bike and this bag on the back that says police, you know, very official. So he's, he's really hard to miss. And so I thought that was kind of interesting because I had never really seen a, a police officer actually on a bike. And I thought he was pretty brave to actually be sitting in the road in traffic. So uh, I look over, I think that's, that's kind of interesting. So I'm waiting there, I'm watching the sign and it finally turns for me to go. And so, you know, it's very hard to, to push down and get those first initial two pedals uh, when I have the bike in lowest gear. And so I'm kind of looking down and I'm pushing down. And as I start to look up, I see a flash of neon yellow out of the corner of my eye. And so I instinctively, I grab the handlebars and I push my brakes and I stop and I look up and I'm inches away from that police officer on the bike. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him. We're not really sure what to do. You know, we're just kind of stuck awkwardly in the middle of the intersection. And so we kind of do that thing where, you know, it's like, okay, well you go, no, I'll go, no, you go. And we just kind of like stutter a little bit and we don't get anywhere. And eventually I just, I let him go. And so he starts to, he starts to pedal away in front of me. And as he does, he kind of looks back and he says, what are you doing? Figure it out, dude. And, and internally, I'm kind of confused. I'm like, what? Figure it out. What am I doing? I'm the pedestrian who's in the middle of the crosswalk who waited for the sign to cross the street. You're the police officer who almost cut me off. And as a police officer, you almost, you know, committed a traffic violation by running into me on a bike. So I was just very confused and I didn't really know what to think. And so, you know, I just, I went on my way and I pedaled on and I made it to class. But the whole time I was just, I was just frustrated and I was a little confused. I didn't really know what to make of the situation. I, I could just feel there was this unresolved tension from what just happened? What was this encounter about? Have you ever felt like that? That you, you walk away from something and you just, you feel the tension of your encounter or you don't really understand exactly what happened? Uh, you, you'd rather have avoided that situation? Well, I think it's easy for us to think of encounters that we would rather avoid when we think about going and traveling to faraway places, maybe somewhere out of the state or out of the country or to a whole other continent, right? Thinking about 
immersing ourselves in another culture that we have no idea what's going on, where everyone around us might speak a different language we're unfamiliar with, that seems like a pretty uncomfortable situation to put ourselves in. But we can also think about maybe uncomfortable encounters that we would rather avoid that are a lot closer to home. It's easier for us to look around, watch the news, to look on social media, to go to the grocery store, at our workplace, in our churches, in our families, and see examples of encounters of people we try to avoid, encounters we don't want to have. Maybe it's because we don't want to talk to someone, or we don't want to talk about a certain subject, and so we'd rather just avoid it because it's just easier, right? It's, it's sometimes uncomfortable to have those conversations, and it makes us feel uneasy when we have to talk about something we don't want to or talk to somebody we would rather avoid. And maybe you're avoiding an uncomfortable encounter when you're, you don't agree with somebody about their political stance, right? That just makes you feel uneasy. Oh, you know, if you're a Republicans, we instinctively know don't want to talk to Democrats and Democrats don't want to talk to Republicans or whatever part of the, the political spectrum you land on, you probably don't want to talk to somebody else who lands somewhere else on that spectrum. That sometimes it's better not to talk politics in general. However, I, I would argue that by not even considering having a conversation with someone with a different viewpoint, you, you miss the opportunity to broaden your perspective. Maybe even have a deeper conversation than you expected or learn something about yourself. And isn't that kind of what the concept of travel is all about? Seeing something we hadn't seen before, hearing from someone we normally wouldn't talk to, experiencing something we otherwise wouldn't experience. Maybe that conversation that you're trying to avoid is something on the lines of vaccination status or where you, how you view the handling of COVID-19. That, that gets a lot of people really anxious too. I get a little uncomfortable when I have to think about talking on that subject because everyone thinks about it a little differently. Maybe if you're in favor of getting vaccinated, you don't really want to talk to somebody who doesn't want to get vaccinated. Or if you're taking COVID seriously, you probably don't want to encounter somebody who, who isn't giving it a second thought and vice versa. If you don't see COVID as an issue of concern or a threat, you probably don't want to talk to somebody who really regards it as a high priority or concern. There's just too much conflict there. The conversations you're having are just too worrisome. They take up too much energy. They maybe might feel like a waste of time to talk to somebody who thinks otherwise. Maybe the encounter you're avoiding is by talking to someone with a different faith tradition. Methodists maybe don't want to talk to someone who is a Baptist or another Protestant denomination, or Catholics, the capital C, don't want to talk to another Protestant. We don't want to talk about people from other religions. As Christians, we generally don't want to sit down with somebody and talk about Jesus with maybe a Muslim or a Jew. That's just sometimes an uncomfortable situation, a hard conversation to have. Maybe if, you're, if there's a Buddhist or a Hindu who you know, you maybe want to avoid the subject of faith when talking with them. As Christians, we often find it hard to share life and with people of other faiths. We can't possibly understand what they believe and what they practice, and we can't expect them to do the same, or at least that's what it feels like. It's simply uncomfortable for everyone involved. It's easier just to stay in our own world and to talk to our own people who we know believe the same things we believe. We don't want to avoid the messiness. But the truth is, is that we often 
avoid encounters that make us uncomfortable, and don't talk to people whom with we disagree. Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus shares two encounters with people who it would have been easier to avoid. Two encounters with people that maybe didn't agree with him or he wouldn't have necessarily agreed with right away, that made him uncomfortable or would have been uncomfortable to have that conversation. And the first, who we didn't read about today, is with a man named Nicodemus. And I'm not going to get into all the details about this encounter that Jesus has with Nicodemus, but it's crucial to have in mind as we examine our scripture that we read today with the women at the well. Because Nicodemus was a religious leader, and he was a well-respected Jew. But he came to Jesus at night, seeking to understand what Jesus was teaching and preaching. And he came at night so that others wouldn't see him doubting or questioning his beliefs by talking to Jesus. He wouldn't lose credibility as a religious leader if he came at night and others didn't see him. So Jesus and Nicodemus, they shared in this conversation about new birth, in which, honestly, Nicodemus leaves not really understanding what exactly they talked about, or maybe didn't grasp the full understanding of what Jesus had to say. Still, he was seeking a new perspective. And in the end, his encounter ended with confusion and misunderstanding, but he still was seeking something that maybe was uncomfortable. And the second encounter in John's Gospel, which we read in our text today, features a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman, whom we might know as the women at the well. And like Nicodemus, this conversation probably shouldn't have been taking place because of who each of the parties were. And particularly with this case, it's because Jesus was a Jew from Judea, and the woman at the well was a Samaritan, which means she was a Jew from Samaria. And Samaritans and Judeans, they'd been feuding for over 400 years. The two groups just did not get along. The Judeans had rejected the Samaritans and their claim to the shared heritage of Judaism, and there had been violence between the two groups. At some, at some point along the line, they just did not get along, and it was hostility that had been building and building and building for over 400 years. They even had completely different religious centers. And in fact, at the time of this encounter, Jesus had just been coming from Jerusalem, which was the religious center, the holy city of the Judeans, and the temple, which was their place of worship. And so by Jesus even having this encounter with the Samaritan woman, by ritual, he would have been required to go back to Jerusalem and have a ritual cleaning because the Samaritan woman would have been considered unclean. And when we look at this situation even further, we realize that Jesus had no business talking to this Samaritan woman because he shouldn't even have been in Samaria. He was coming from Jerusalem and he was going to Galilee. And it was widespread practice that for a Judean Jew, you would have just avoided Samaria altogether. You would have crossed over the Dead Sea and maybe gone up a different way that was a little bit out of your way. But even if it was, it was well worth it to avoid the potential dangers of going through Samaria, going through a place where you had been feuding for over 400 years. And we read in verse 9, which I think 
is one of the biggest understatements of the entire Bible. And in parentheses, verse 9 says, Jews and Sumerians didn't associate with each other. Like, duh, that's our Captain Obvious moment of the Bible. We just talked about everyone would have known that this feud had been going on for over 400 years. And then in parentheses, they put, well, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't really like each other. Like, that's the most obvious statement they could have put there. That would have been like, if you're a Marvel fan or a DC fan, you know that you probably don't get along because you view things otherwise. Or maybe it's, it's, like, it's like seeing two siblings who are just verbally fighting with each other because, you know, siblings, they get along all the time, right? No, we know, that, we know that they fight. And so looking at those siblings and saying, ah, they probably don't get along. Like, that's the most obvious thing you could have said between two parties who very much do not agree with each other. And so thank you to John's, the writer of John's gospel today, our captain obvious of the day, because they pointed out and they put emphasis on the fact that Jesus and the Samaritan woman should not have been crossing paths like they did. But still, Jesus is here with the Samaritan woman at the well. And as usual, Jesus is choosing to be difficult. The encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well occurred around noon, which also gives us an indication that something here isn't quite normal. Because normally, women would, women would have came either in the morning or in the evening to collect water from the well. So the woman coming in the middle of the day kind of gives us an indication that maybe she was trying to avoid others or that maybe she was considered an outcast for one reason or another. And as the Samaritan woman first speaks to Jesus, another barrier between the two is crossed, which normally wouldn't have been crossed. That's because the woman speaks to Jesus, and that is generally not considered a practice that they were allowed to do, because women weren't allowed at the time to speak to a man outside of their own household. And the fact that Jesus is a rabbi is another barrier. A rabbi, he's a religious teacher of the Jewish faith, and so she also wouldn't have been allowed to speak to him because of his status as a rabbi. And this lifts up again the fact that these parties really shouldn't be having this conversation. This encounter of uncomfortable proportions should not be happening. A Samaritan talking to a Judean, a man talking to a woman, rabbi talking to a woman, none of these go together. But despite all of this, Jesus is seeking out this encounter with the Samaritan woman. And he leans into the conversation that they have with this woman at the well. The woman speaks to Jesus three times during their conversation. And each time we see that she is coming further and further to understanding who Jesus is. At first she says, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And here we can see that she is really aware of the situation. She's, her tone is almost like, are you kidding me, Jesus? We're about to have this conversation that we're not really supposed to be having. And as usual, Jesus responds in a very confusing and non-direct way. He says, if you recognize God's gift and who is, saying to, who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would be giving you living water. Now, from the woman's next response, we can see that she's trying to understand beyond what she can physically see, but she's also sticking to what she knows and what she can observe. 
She comments on the fact that Jesus doesn't have a bucket to draw water from. And she brings up the fact that they have a shared ancestry because they're at Jacob's well, which connects both the Judeans and the Samaritans. But it also brings to mind the promise of God's provision that God has given his people. The well is a source and a sign of that provision. And Jesus responds to that by saying, everyone who drinks of this water will, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. A water that will never leave us thirsty again? A living water. She understands this to a point. And we understand this to be talking about God as the source of life. And so this third and final time that the woman speaks in response to Jesus, we can see that she has differed from her gospel counterpart, Nicodemus. She actually understands. She's not going to leave in confusion. She understands what Jesus is offering and who he is. She says, sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. So despite the barriers, despite the unlikelihood of this encounter, despite the uncomfortableness of the conversation, a life has been changed. The woman at the well understands that Jesus is offering the gift of eternal life to those who drink or to those who believe that he is the Lord and Savior. All those who choose to drink, meaning have a relationship with him, will never thirst again because of Jesus. And the remarkable part of this story is that the Samaritan woman went on to tell other Samaritans, and they even asked Jesus to stay with them, to remain in relationship with them for a while longer so they could understand and experience the living water that is the promise of eternal life. And so Jesus does. He jumps from one uncomfortable encounter with the woman at the well to another one with multiple Samaritan women. And he does this because he knows that God works in ways that we don't expect. And God works when things are uncomfortable and shows us things we don't see right away. The woman of Samaria came to know and see Jesus. They said that we no longer believe because of what you said. For we have heard ourselves and know this is one and know this one is truly the savior of the world. And what they say can easily be glanced over as not that important, but really it is something that we should not take lightly. They claimed that Jesus is the savior of the world. And this is the only time in the entire gospel of John that Jesus is referred to with this title. So this proves that they have not only heard Jesus, but they've experienced him as the Savior. And this uncomfortable encounter between Jesus and the Samaritans is an example that believing our God isn't simply something we can do or something we can say. It's, believing in God is not just something we affirm, but it's something that we have to experience, to live out. It's something we have to act on. Like the woman at the well who went on when she realized who Jesus was and shared it with other Samaritans. Or like Jesus, who chose to seek out an encounter with a stranger. 
And Jesus calls us to seek out encounters with strangers that might make us uncomfortable so that we may be in relationship with Jesus through them. So first church, seek out encounters that make you uncomfortable. Seek out interactions that bring you close and personal with people you don't agree with. Seek out encounters from someone from the opposing political party so that your viewpoint might be broadened. Seek out the encounter with that coworker who you don't get along with, that your relationship might come to a place of better functioning. Seek out the encounter with that family member who you don't see eye to eye with, even though it may be tough, because you might just learn something about yourselves and each other. Seek out that that conversation with a church member who you haven't met yet, or you don't know very well, or you don't agree with, because by entering into that uncomfortable relationship, you might learn something about God and your own relationship with our Savior, Jesus. Seek out close encounters. Because Jesus is calling us not only to believe in him or affirm his status, but to live out our faith in him as the source of living water and the realized promise of God's love to his people. Now, as we travel on our journey of life, we're going to have plenty of encounters. Some may be brief and confusing, like my encounter with the police officer on a bike, not really sure of what happened. We may travel far away to different places, maybe even different galaxies, with celestial beings that we never even knew existed. I mean, we don't know where our travels will take us. But other travels will take us to more familiar places, like our workplace, the gas station, our own home. Wherever your travels take you, seek out the encounter that you may be avoiding. Engage in an uncomfortable conversation. Allow your world to be broadened, that you might find Jesus is waiting with open arms, with a deeper conversation, a deeper relationship, and a taste of living water. Amen. Will you please pray with me? Wonderful God, you have called us on this journey of life. And as we travel, as we allow ourselves to be opened up to new perspectives, to new experiences, and to new people, you call us into uncomfortable encounters. Help us to see Jesus and to seek Jesus and to follow Jesus that we too would seek out what makes us uncomfortable. To connect with someone we don't agree with, who we may have been feuding with, we're trying to avoid. Bring us to them and allow us to engage in something difficult for your sake, that we may see the living water being offered to us through them, and we would have a deeper relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. 
For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.